welcome back to another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss. I'm Josh. And I'm April. And April, the MCU is back. In a really big way. So, as you can tell from the episode title, we're going to be talking all kinds of Marvel today. Uh, we're going to start out with Black Widow, and then we're going to cover Loki, the TV show that just finished. Uh, this is your official spoiler warning. Uh, if you haven't seen either of these things, uh, then probably turn this off and go watch them and then come back and listen. So April, this actually isn't the first movie that we've seen since the pandemic has been reduced and we've been vaccinated. Give us your 30 seconds on Fast 9. Oh, geez. I mean, you just have to love Fast 9 for what it is. It's just gotten to the point where it's not exactly believable anymore, but uh, the car chase scenes and the home driven of family, you just got to love it for what it is. And I still love it every time I see it. The Dominic Toretto family memes reached a whole nother level of this movie. Oh my gosh, they were amazing. Uh, you love this series a bit more than I do. I think we can. it's fair to say that this was a bottom third Fast and the Furious movie. That's definitely fair to say. Um, I do think you missed The Rock. Like, I think The Rock really, like, helped this franchise, like, keep going. And then him and him and Dom didn't really get along very well in real life. So, uh, he went his own way. But I just don't really like the, like, let's bring everyone back because they're pretend dead. And now all these more people are in here. And, like, if you're going to bring something, someone back, I would wish you would bring back Gal. But she was probably, like fuck you. No, I'm good. Thanks. So, um, I don't know. We'll see what comes of Fast 10, but I mean, I still loved it. Yeah. I think no Paul Walker, RIP, no The Rock, and no Jason Statham makes for a kind of a tough movie. Yeah. I mean, you throw in Helen Mirren, which God, I love her, but she was literally in the movie for like five minutes. Mm -hmm. And if you would have given me at least more of her, if you're not going to give me any Statham, then I think this movie would have worked better. It's just like the characters around Dom are not Brian. So it's kind of hard to get that feeling of what the magic was for this show. I would definitely agree with that. So for me, Fast 9 was just an appetizer, just a warm up for my first real anticipated movie since being, uh, you know, you and I stayed away for more than a year uh, out of the movie theaters, but we are back with Black Widow, let's go. The MCU is back in our lives, finally. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we had to watch this movie in Tennessee in the middle of nowhere at a movie theater we don't regularly go to. <laughs> and with, uh, you know, the movie was actually on, like, two-thirds of the screen for the first yeah, half Yeah, somebody forgot so. to, like, flip the dial on the screen to make it actual size of the movie screen, so that was cool. So I went and saw this for a second viewing on my own in the XD theater that we have in town, which was 100% worth it. But overall, still a great movie experience, and I'm so excited that the MCU is back. Yeah, our, in addition to the screen being awful in Tennessee, the crowd, I feel like, was completely flat. Yeah, we um, went on an opening week. We went Friday night. The weekend uh -huh. it opened. There was maybe 20 people in the theater, and no one gave a shit. Tennessee, you need to step up. Really, it's just, it's just Greenville. <laughs> we love you, but I mean... We'll stick to our Toledo kind of scary theaters with the big crowds. Okay. 
Black Widow, long overdue. This movie was originally slated to debut in May of 2020, I believe. I believe that's right. Uh, and now it is July of 2021, and we finally got it. So, much anticipated. April, how did it hold up? What did you think? Overall impressions? Um, just as a blanket overall impression, I was very impressed with this movie. I do think a lot of people had low expectations going in just because it was so overdue. We saw 8 million trailers. This character is not even in the MCU anymore. And everybody just kind of thought, what is the point? And I think that makes it kind of a great movie for us to come back to because everyone's so excited to go back to the theater for it. And maybe that played a part in it. Maybe it didn't. But I think this is a better than middle tier Marvel movie. It um, The action in it was just amazing, even though we saw a lot of it in the trailer. So I think it's probably in my top half of my list. I agree with pretty much all of that. I, too, was worried that this was kind of going to be the afterthought movie. You know, like, we have to check this off the list. We owe it to Scarlett Johansson. Uh, we're going to release it. It's not going to do that well. It's not going to be that great of a movie. And then we're going to move on to Shang-Chi and the Internals and Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and just really kind of go full bore in the Phase 4. But I was really pleasantly surprised uh, as this movie is kind of an origin movie. It's pretty close to an origin story and for a character that we've seen in quite a few movies. And it is definitely one of the better solo slash origin movies I think that Marvel has done. Uh, I like this movie quite a bit. Uh, and this movie, if you were to ask me kind of what my favorite moment of this movie was... I really don't have a whole lot in the way of scenes or, you know, even some of the action set pieces, which I thought were very good. Uh, but really, this movie was a character-driven movie, and it centers on four people, right? So you have uh, Scarlett Johansson, obviously, as the titular Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff. Uh, Florence Pugh comes in as Yelena Belova, Scarlett Johansson's, you know, sister, quote-unquote, in this uh, made-up family. And, I mean, what did you say, Gabriel? I kind of thought she blew Scarlett Johansson off the screen in certain points of this movie. Yeah, I mean, I think surprisingly she was very charismatic as her little sister and played that role to a T. So I think she did steal a few scenes from her. They kind of gave her the, like, funny wit that ScarJo's never really had as Black Widow. And that was kind of cool to see. And she was just fun to be around every time she was on the screen. So I do think she really surprised me. And I wasn't sure she could pull off this action. I definitely have never seen her in like an action movie. Mm -hmm. So, but I thought she did really well. And I'm looking forward to seeing what we get from her in the future. The funniest part of the movie to me, hands down, was the running joke of her making fun of ScarJo's posing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> which is really just so funny, especially when she does it herself at the end of the movie and then kind of just feels gross about it. Um, really just uh, an amazing... This movie, you know, gives Scarlett Johansson her due, gives, the, gives Black Widow her due, but then also clearly sets it up very much for the future, which we didn't necessarily know how much this movie was going to tie into future... Marvel projects, since obviously Scarlett Johansson's character is dead in the MCU, 
Uh, but, you know, it does seem, and we'll get to the Stinger uh, part of this movie later, it does seem that Florence Pugh's character is going to have a future role in the MCU, and I think she is a great addition. Uh, if we're going to lose Scarlett Johansson, I think she's a great addition to the, to the MCU. Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, I think um, she surprised me and hopefully surprised uh, Marvel that she did this so well. And I do think that we didn't expect anything from this movie to really tie in to anything coming in the future, except maybe the stinger that we got, which definitely happened. But um, I do think that maybe her and maybe we see Red Guardian again and maybe we see, you know, Melina again or maybe we see more characters from this movie than we think we will. I do think somehow the, all the widows have to tie back in somewhere, somehow, whether that's a movie or a TV show or whatever. So I do think there's more that will come back from this movie than we were all expecting. I, I think that's right. Um, and to go along with it, so you have Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pugh as, you know, uh, made up sisters in this made-up family, uh, the made-up mom and dad, uh, Rachel Weiss as Melina Bostikoff, and David Harbour as Alexei Shostakov, a.k.a. the Red Guardian. I love these characters. I thought Marvel is such a behemoth right now that you can just have a somewhat minor role, and you can get whatever actor you want. And David Harbour, in particular for me, was just hilarious as the kind of, like, all-brawn, no-brain, Russian agent dad, uh, super soldier, we come to find out. Uh, you know, he's the Red Guardian. He's a contemporary of sorts of Captain America. Uh, he is a super soldier. He has a serum. Uh, one of the funniest parts of the movie, again, for me, was uh, we meet him uh, in the middle of the movie, and he is locked away in a Russian jail. He's telling ridiculous stories about the Avengers and beating everybody that comes along at arm wrestling. Uh, and really just a funny character all the way through. Yeah, I mean, as a person who's never watched um, Stranger Things, is this your first introduction to David Harbour? Yeah, I mean, I'd have, you know, I can't say if I went through his IMDb, I'd be like, oh yeah, I saw him in this, but this is really like the thing that I know him from. You know, I you left me in the dust on Stranger Things, so I've never actually seen that. But again, I love him in this movie. You know, he gained a bunch of weight for this movie. He's a big, hulking Russian, you know, bear, essentially, um, of a character. When he sings American Pie <laughs> to Florence Pugh, <laughs> it's just, again... I mean, just, he's, like, kind of singing it. Just, you know, in his ridiculous Russian accent. Yeah, the accent really, like, came and went. And that accent it was kind of hard for me to get by because I do know him from Stranger Things, mm. where he does not have an accent totally American in that one and that would that was kind of took me out of the movie a little bit for that but yeah I mean he's just so funny and goofy and the role of the dad he played very well and I was highly impressed um I don't think we got a lot of the actual Red Guardian character so mm -hmm. I'm interested to see if we see that in the future because I think that would be more interesting to kind of get more of what he's like in fights and like that kind of stuff or whatever the anti-hero or whatever he is be very interested to see that going forward for sure and again you and i are from uh you know toledo ohio we're from a part of the country where really like we're pretty accentless if you compare us to most of the rest of the country so i give a pretty big pass for people in their accents i think the most ridiculous accent of any marvel movie 
is Elizabeth Olsen's Sokovian accent that goes in and out as as the story progresses. I mean, it's it's really ridiculous in some of the early movies. Yeah, I mean, that's a choice, and I'm glad they've kind of <laughs> gone away from that, seeing as she, like, eh, you don't do that so well, so we're going to kind of just, like, leave that by the wayside, which was totally fine. But um, I was impressed with Rachel Weiss's actual Russian accent. That was pretty good. And Florence Pugh's was, like, on point. So that was very impressive for me. Um, but... As we get to Rachel Weiss's character, I was very impressed with her as well. And she's really not in that much of the movie, but I thought she played it very well. And I really like that they didn't just show us the twist between her and Natasha of them, like, making up this plan. And we kind of thought she just turned everybody in. And then you find out later that they had this plan when they, like, take the, what is that, like, face thing? Like, yeah, technology they, like, they mat, take away yeah, or yeah, whatever. Like We've mass, seen that before in other very, things. It's very Mission Impossible, Yes, right? it is. Very much Mission Impossible. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool that they kind of left that in the dark. Because I did not realize that until they actually showed me that. Like, light bulb went off. Um, and, like, the pig thing was really funny. Not that she, like, tried to kill one of them. But I thought that was interesting. Um, and just that she's like the matriarch of this family. And of course, uh, Marvel doing their normal de-aging at the beginning. It was funny to see her a little bit younger from the, um, the mummy days that I remember her from. So that was kind of cool. Preteen teen Josh had a huge crush on Rachel Weiss and in the mummy. Yeah, uh, I can't blame you. <laughs> it, and, and, and fast forwarding even st- still, she wears the Black Widow outfit in this movie. And I and I have a question for you, Miss Queen Pop Culture. Mm-hmm. Is there a more attractive couple in in the world than Daniel Craig and Rachel Weisz? Who? Um, I mean, Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively might give them a run for their money. Okay, that's strong, strong. They're just younger. I don't know if necessarily like hotter, but just a younger version. Yeah. If they want to just go ahead and adopt us, I mean, we can go with I mean, their comments. I don't really learn my mom and dad. <laughs> I could do a few other things. <laughs> uh, so, those are the four primary characters in this movie, right? Mm-hmm. I would say that this movie does slip back into some of the Marvel struggles with the bad guy. Absolutely. Um, in this movie, your nominal or your uh, bad guys of choice here are character called General Drakov, who's kind of just, you know, a, a Russian general mobster, bad guy, uh, pretty stereotypical, very Bond villainy in this movie. Uh, and so pretty much a caricature of a bad guy, just not really somebody to be too taken seriously. And then Taskmaster. Um, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but this is going to be my big flaw of the movie, I think. I think it's mostly everyone's that I've talked to about this movie. Like, I think Marvel, again, just has a villain problem. If they don't flush out the villain, if we don't get multiple movie arcs with, like, Thanos, I think they just really struggle with, like, being able to show you that the villain has a point. And there's only a few, like, movies you can name off the cusp that really do that well. Like, you know, Thanos, Black Panther. I mean, there's not very many that really flush out the villain and let you see their side of the story and want you to sympathize with them and understand them and I think this does a really bad job of that and is definitely the big red flag in this movie for both of them because Drakeoff is just you know the creepy old man that sits behind the desk and gives his like villain monologue or whatever and then um, Taskmaster you know obviously is a reveal but I think 
could have been a lot more impactful if maybe it was not Dracoff's daughter and it was someone else in the cast or maybe it was just done differently. Like we just never saw who Taskmaster was and it was just another villain going forward. And then that's why we didn't get a lot of him in that, in this movie, that would have been a little bit more understandable, but you didn't flesh out that character at all. We really didn't see a lot of like Taskmaster's whole deal is that he copies fights and Mm -hmm. you know, I can fight as well as you can after I see you fight for one time. And that's why they show him watching the videos of Black Panther fighting or whatever. But and then you see him with the claws at one point. You do see that. However, I just don't feel like we ever got that like titular like him fighting Black Widow. And like would have been hilarious to like see Taskmaster in the Widow stands. Like give me that. Yeah. I would have died. That would have been hilarious. Yeah see him do or and again her i guess yeah whatever right see, see her do the like stereotypical whatever they call when scarlett johansson like jumps up on the person's neck and wraps her legs right. around them you know we didn't get the montage is what i thought we were gonna get right we, you know go from captain america which we see the shield yep uh you know we see some black panther claws but we didn't get any four moves or hulk moves or you you have a really large library mm-hmm. of you know, moves and stances and powers and yeah. stuff that you could have drawn from. And we really didn't see that. So this character still exists as far as we know in the MCU. So yeah. they can certainly bring Taskmaster back. In a yeah. And movie maybe, you know, it maybe it becomes, you know, that Drake off daughter isn't in the suit anymore, but the suit gets into someone else's hands. Yeah. The person that actually is Taskmaster in a comics, which I know is a guy, I don't remember his name, but I know it's a different person in the comics, so maybe that is coming, and maybe they just introduced the suit to us in this movie, and then we see it. Because this movie is set, you know, so many years in the past, so maybe the the, um, suit has been lost, and it ends up in someone else's hands, and great, then I could understand that. So, I hope Dracoff is actually dead this time, because I don't really want to see that character again, and I'm interested to more see where the widows are and everything else, and I think it would have been just as interesting if you would have made his daughter, like, a widow, and she would have just, you know, Mm -hmm. got the you know, powder stuff or whatever that made her not be mind-controlled anymore. And then, you know, Scarlet has to deal with her in that sense, too. And they could still fight and still battle, and all of that would have still been there. But she wouldn't have been Taskmaster, because, like, to me, that's just kind of odd. Yeah, I mean, it was a reveal. I didn't consider anywhere in any kind of, you know, if you had to rank the reveals in the MCU, that's, like, pretty close to the bottom. Yeah. Um. So, it's, it's a cool character. I would say underutilized, but, you know, maybe there's hope that in the future we will get some more Taskmaster and it will be a little uh, bit more, you know, on power with some of the better Marvel villains yeah. that we've had so far. So, again, as you mentioned, this is set in 2016 after the events of Civil War. So, a question I want to pose to you. We know this movie is was long overdue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you want to put, you know, the MCU, you and I talk almost as if it's flawless. And to be honest, it's amazing. Like, it is one of the great, you know, hobbies and interests that you and I have shared over the last decade from an entertainment perspective. But we should be clear that it is a major failing of Marvel that the first female superhero movie was Captain Marvel at the very 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 late like 20 movies maybe into the run yeah Um, i feel like um from things i've read that that was not feige's choice that feige wanted this movie a long time ago and the powers that be kind of were like no 
women-led superhero movies don't make money, so no. Um, and that board doesn't exist anymore after the reshuffling at Marvel, so yay to that. And I think that's the big reason we got this movie. Yes, we got it late, but I'm glad they didn't just say, oh, we're not going to do it mm-hmm. because, you know, we're too far gone. They gave her the movie she was due. They made it impactful to the rest of the MCU, and I'm glad we got it, even though it is many years too late. I stand Kevin Feige as much as anyone, and and I'm not a reporter. I can't say that, you know, that story is true or not. It's very convenient that now that he is head honcho number one, that a story comes out that says, oh, I couldn't really do anything about it. You know, I didn't have enough power when, you know, he is the one name you associate with the MCU. Uh, but it is what it is. You know, we get this movie finally. It is, again, you and I think a very good movie. Um, yes. Uh, we liked it quite a bit. Uh, but did the order of this movie, this movie coming out, after Endgame, Natasha's character is dead in the main timeline and in the MCU. Did that impact how you watch this movie? Did it, you think you liked it more or less because of that? What do you think? No, I mean, I don't think so. I think if you're an MCU fan, I think you know what you're going into. Like, we know that this is set for a character who's already died in the MCU. We know that we know some of her backstory, but not all of it. We think we're going to get the cool story from Budapest, which we don't actually get the full story, and that was kind of annoying, but we get clips of it and kind of get the idea of it. With uh, Clint, who I was surprised wasn't actually in this movie. You hear a voiceover from him, but he's not actually in it. So I was surprised by that, but good for her being able to carry the movie on her own. And, um, I don't think so. Like, I think that I went into this from the trailers, you know, excited for the action and excited what we were going to get and excited to see what the stinger was going to be. Cause I, th- we think we all thought that was how it was going to tie in to the future. So mm-hmm. I think we're all just kind of sitting back and waiting for that. And, you know, I think that's kind of a low level to go in on. And I think it pleasantly surprised me. So I didn't think that had any action on my viewing. What about you? I... I think it probably would have been better if this movie had come out in the correct chronological order. If it had come out at some point after Civil War, but before Infinity War, and you had this movie. But I will say, just by like the smallest of margins, I do think it actually does add a very interesting and compelling level that we watch this movie knowing that Natasha is dead. That it's her swan song, it's her farewell, you know, this is the last thing that we think that we're going to see her in uh, for a while. Um, again, uh, when we get into Loki, we'll talk about variants, and it seems like there is there's a way that you could bring back any actor that you wanted to into into future Marvel stories. Or who's willing to. Uh, who wants to come back. Um, but that's, a, we'll get to that later. Um, but I did think it... it, it it made it kind of melancholy in a good way. It made it kind of nostalgic to remember, oh, hey, that she was in a lot of movies. You know, she first shows up in Iron Man 2 very, very, very early on in the run. Um, and, and so I guess maybe a better way to say it is I just thought it was, you know, it made it different. I don't think it made it, you know, substantially worse that it came out after Endgame. Okay. Okay, so moving on uh, to another topic, the box office for this movie. So again, lots of uncertainty going, you know, coming out of the pandemic uh, in the United States here. 
We get Fast 9, which has a pretty successful opening weekend and and theater run so far, people would say. Also a movie not optioned to watch anywhere else. That's the critical thing, right? This is the first movie where we get a theater release and we get, you know... An at-home release. An at-home release. You can buy this movie for $35 on Disney+. Plus, And the numbers ended up being pretty interesting. Uh, and and Disney sells them as what they think of as a success. So opening weekend for this movie, eighty million dollars domestic box office, seventy eight million dollars international, sixty million dollars through Disney Plus. The total about two hundred fifteen million dollars opening weekend, which again you're already more than twenty percent of the way to a billion just on your opening weekend. That's pretty good. What do you think these numbers say about what Disney's going to do moving forward with MCU movies? I mean, we have to trust that the Disney Plus um, numbers are even right to begin with or true. Like, we don't really know, and they can tell us whatever they want to tell us, just like all the stuff we get from Netflix. So it's a matter of if we want to believe them or not, which I guess for the sake of this argument, let's say we do. Um, I think those numbers are pretty strong. But I, as I've said to you, I believe going forward, after they see what kind of theater run this does, I think we get MCU strictly in the theater. And I think, do think it could come to Disney Plus faster than it has previously? Um, a few months after, as soon as it gets, you know, it finishes its theater run, I think it could come right to Disney Plus. Whether or not they're going to charge you then for it for a while or not, I don't know. But I do think that it will exclusively go back to uh, the theaters. I do think Disney could do the, you know, some theater, some at home for other movies. But I think if we're strictly talking about the MCU, that it goes back to just theater runs. So I, when you and I had this conversation a couple days ago, I was of the same opinion. And now I'm really not sure anymore. Um, I think this number, I mean, this is, the $60 million number is 75% of what the domestic theater was. Uh, I think we can rely on that number, that Disney number. It's not a Netflix number in the sense that this isn't a, a number of views number, which you can manipulate the shit out of. Mm-hmm. This is, they're a publicly traded company, and they say, this movie sold this much. It's going to be in an account in books that can be looked at. Uh, so I, I think that's a real number. It's a big number, in my opinion. It's way bigger than what I that's thought it would be. Pretty big, yeah. Because um, it's, what, 30 bucks? 35 bucks, yeah. So, uh, you know, just a, just a monster number. Uh, and, I, and I don't know. If you can just say, oh, hey, we make a bigger slice of the pie from Disney Plus because we don't have to pay the theaters and, and we own Disney Plus and blah, blah, blah. And people are still clearly, it seems, somewhat reluctant to go to the theaters. I mean, do you honestly think that's reluctancy, or do you think that's Marvel's a family thing, and we could have spent thirty-five bucks to sit here and watch it with our entire family instead of going to the movie theater and spending sixty? Uh, I, it could, it's both of those things. I think you know we're never going to be able to tease apart the difference, but yeah, I mean, if you know, we get to the point five years from now where our family all wants to go see a Marvel movie. And, you know, even if we only take two of the three kids and you do four tickets and four concessions and whatnot versus, you know, food and drinks at home and $35 in total for the tickets, uh, you know, financially, it's going to be a much better decision to stay home and use Disney Plus. So 
we'll see, right? We've got, it's going to come. But do you think it could just be the possible of it gives it at least um, maybe up to a month or even less than that of a theater run and then you can purchase it on Disney Plus? Like it's not, like it's not the same day it comes out. Do we think that's a possibility or do we think it just stays that the day it gets released in theaters, the day it's available on Disney Plus and that's what it is. And then when it's available on Disney Plus four months later, it's free. I'm sure Disney has a whole floor of people in an office building somewhere, probably working remotely at this point, let's be honest. <laughs> and this is their their sole job, is just to do projections and simulations on if you, if you say, okay, opening weekend is going to be fears only, and then on the next Monday, it goes to Disney+, Plus, or it gets a week, or it gets a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very curious to see, as I was going to say, we have a lot of Marvel movies coming out in the next six months. Yeah, I mean, September is the next Marvel movie. Do we think they're comfortable enough to say this is only a theater release or this is still both? Because I saw they're about to release Jungle Cruise, which is a Dwayne Johnson movie, mm-hmm. and Emily Blunt, and they're offering both. It's a theater release and a Disney Plus release. Again, oh, five days ago, I would have agreed with you that it was going to be just theaters only for a while and now i'm not so sure i think probably through the rest of 2020 i think probably you're gonna see both maybe and uh, but again we'll see if they want to you know do the jurassic park raptors testing the fences right they have shang chi eternals uh spider-man yeah but spider-man's tricky spider-man's technically sony okay so can you release that on disney plus I don't know. Is that a thing you can do? The the Spider-Man movies are not on Disney Plus. So Mm. I don't know what you would have. I think that would have to strictly be a theater release. So if that one has to be, are they going to give us Eternals a month earlier, not just in theater? Like, there's a lot that plays into all of that. Okay, but you at least have those two first two movies that are... The first two, I would honestly not be surprised. And you have Eternals, too. Um, before Spider-Man comes out. So you might even get the first three. Yeah, but uh, I'm curious to see if they just keep the model the same or if they tweak it both times and see and collect some data on what the yeah, optimal see window what works is. better. Very possible. Um, or if they just say, we're Disney, we're going to own the world, and we don't care if it's theaters or if it's Disney+. Plus. We still made two hundred fifteen. million. Yeah, I'm sure they don't. So, Uh, movie theaters definitely care. But I'm I'm sure Disney doesn't. They don't care. So, we'll wait and see. Um, So, it's it's a very interesting question. uh, And we will find out quite a bit more in another two months. And and probably, we assume the news is going to come out before the actual movie does on Shang-Chi on how you can actually view it. So... Yeah, I would say sometime in August we'll probably hear whether or not that's so both or one. So that'll be coming very soon. So uh, I kind of sidetracked this a little bit, but again, I think it's as two people who love to go to the movies, but who also have little kids, and it's very convenient to just pay thirty five bucks and sit at home and watch them and, and watch a movie. Um, I'm very curious to see what happens for these next couple movies. Okay, so. Before we start wrapping up Black Widow, uh, let's talk about the stinger. Okay. So, again, it's a Marvel movie. We get our uncredit scene. We get a post. Only one. Post credit scene, just one. There's no funny one. That, you know, there's no post credit scene, the type that you hate, which is just yes. a joke. 
Well, don't give me a mid-credit scene that's, like, worth it, and then I know that there's an end-credit scene, too, and the end-credit scene is fucking pointless, and I sat through all these goddamn credits for you to give me something that's, like, ha-ha, funny, I could have watched that on Twitter in an hour. Like, let me leave, please. This is the sense of humor that I have to deal with, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, your sense of humor is, like, all the way down here. The stupidest (laughs) shit you think is funny, at least mine is, like, people gotta try. That's fair. I can't really fight that. (laughs) So in this stinger, we see Florence Pugh, Florence Pugh's character, uh, go to Scarlett Johansson's grave. Obviously, this is after the events of Endgame. She's bringing flowers. She's mourning, and lo and behold, who decides to show up? April. JLD in the house. Julie Louis Dreyfus pulls up. She's apparently allergic to the Midwest, which I thought was hilarious. So are most people that are from <laughs> New York or California. But again, her character as Countess Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. God, that's a mouthful. Shows up, uh, talks to Florence Pugh, and says, uh, "Here's this guy. He was, invo- you know, alludes to the fact that he was responsible or involved in Natasha's death." And we see a picture of Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye. We know there's a Hawkeye TV show coming soon. What did you think about how they tied this uh, up, you know, to tie up Florence Pugh and, and make her in the Hawkeye TV show that we presumably uh, are going to see later this year? What do you think? Um, I mean, I think I was a slightly surprised. I don't, I don't really know why. I guess we should have kind of expected maybe if she was becoming the new Black Widow that she would be part of Hawkeye. So that does kind of make sense after you, like, sit and think about it. However, um, I thought it was interesting that the Countess, like, specifically doesn't say to kill him. She just says, hey, this guy is probably responsible for your sister's death. You want to go check him out, basically? And, like, obviously it's implied, I'm sure, but I thought it was very interesting in the specific words that they used. So, I don't really know what that means. And I don't really know. They never really showed us how she finds out that Natasha died. She's just at her grave. So, I think that's kind of a cool, like, what happened? How did you find out? Do you already... She obviously doesn't know Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner, because she didn't act like she recognized him. So, who told her? How did she find out? And... I am looking forward to her in Hawkeye. It kind of sounds like she could be in one episode. She could be in the whole thing. We don't really know. So I don't really think she kills Jeremy Renner. I don't think uh, he's Hawkeye going forward after that show. I think Haley Steinfeld will be. But I'm interested to see her again. I'm excited that we get to see her so soon. I'm a little irritated that I have to actually care about Hawkeye. Because I wanted to just kind of... You don't, though. I mean, you can just, like, ignore Jeremy Renner and just care about... Haley Seinfeld. <laughs> and Florence Pugh. Um, yeah. So, yes, I will I will watch the show. Um, not a huge Hawkeye fan at all. Um, but everything I've heard is that the comics are taking, they're using for this show is the best comics for Hawkeye. So, hopefully that means that this show is better than we're anticipating. I mean, the Marvel shows have been pretty damn good. So, let's hope they don't fall off the wagon with that one. I just want Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> okay, so any final thoughts on Black Widow before we wrap it up and move on to Loki? 
Um, I just think, like, when do we see these characters again? I'm interested. Obviously, we know for Florence Pugh. Like, when do you think we see, like, do we see Alexi and Melina again in anything anytime soon or anytime ever in the future? The problem is, is I don't know what other characters' movies they would be in, right? So, unless you think that we are actually not that far away... From another Black Widow movie, and that another Black Widow movie stars Florence Pugh as, you know, essentially the new Black Widow. What movie would those characters be in? I, I can't even really tie them. Yeah, I mean, we talked together. about this too. Like, I don't think there's a place for them in Phase Four unless it's something we don't know about yet, which is always possible, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I don't really think it's coming anytime soon because right now we're just playing catch up, kind of. So. Maybe in Phase 5 or maybe towards the very end of Phase 4 we see them in something somewhere. Or maybe they're just something, they're characters that exist and they get talked about, but we don't actually see them. That's, I think, more possible Mm -hmm. since we're going to see Florence Pugh again. So maybe not. Maybe they're one and dones and we don't ever see them again. And that would be sad for them because they're pretty cool characters to see, but we'll have to wait and see. I think it's much more likely that we get the Red Guardian in a future movie than we get Rachel Weisz's character. That's probably true. Not to say that it's not possible, uh, but again, I don't really expect those two characters in the MCU to go off into a little isolated house and live happily ever after. So um, I think it's like it's likely that we might get one of them, but I wouldn't necessarily think that we'll get both of them. I agree. Um, but we shall see. So overall, uh, we're. I'm not going to put this in my rankings right now, but I would say it was a better than average movie. Uh, it's, you know, and again, this is a movie that I probably would recommend to somebody who's like Marvel casual because yeah. it's really just a Mission Impossible slash Bond movie. Spy movie. In a Marvel skin, basically. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's better than Captain Marvel. I hope Captain Marvel is better going forward. I actually liked that movie. A lot of people don't really like that movie. I did. I do think this is much better than that. But we have a lot more time and energy poured into the Natasha character. So I think that also helps. So I'm not really want to rank this yet either. But it's probably in the top half. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and just some of these new characters that we've seen in some of these Marvel TV shows and movies. Uh, again, there are a crop of new women characters that I think are really going to have a huge impact. I hope so. Let's see all these bitches. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's transition. Loki. We just finished. Episode 6 came out two days ago on Wednesday. Uh, This was Wednesday night. Appointment viewing. Uh, No, wait for the kids to go to bed. Fire it up. And wow, holy shit, this was the best TV show and one of the better Marvel properties at all, including all the movies that I have ever seen. I love this. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all of that. I think if you, you know, make this six episode show into a two and a half hour movie, I think it fits in in the into my top 10 already, like maybe creeping higher as the impact of this really changes the entire MCU. So, I mean, it was just amazing from start to finish. I think it lulls a little bit in episode three, just kind of, and then, but barely, and picks right back up and goes right at you the whole entire time. I mean, Hiddleston is just 
on a level on his own and the fact that he's willing to play this character for like ever i literally hope we get him forever yes tom hiddleston is just one of the best characters in the whole mcu hands down uh you know starts out as a villain becomes more of an anti-hero type character again he does a lot of bad shit in the mcu uh and that should not necessarily be forgotten but he's so charismatic that you just can't help but root for him. You can't help but love him. He gets his own TV show. And of all the people in the world, they pair him up with Owen Wilson. Uh, Owen Wilson's... I mean, this is like your dream come true. You like fucking love Owen Wilson. Yes. There's very few people who like the movie Wedding Crashers more than me. Uh, love Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson's character, Mobius M. Mobius, according to the official That's so dumb. <laughs> uh, Marvel script. Just this this show is literally just about two people talking. Uh, and sometimes that's Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson. Sometimes that's Tom Hiddleston and the wonderful, uh, amazing Sophia Di Martino as the character Sylvie. This show was just one of my favorite things that I've consumed in a long time. Yeah, I mean, I think I was very pleasantly surprised um, with Owen Wilson's portrayal. It's been quite a while since I've seen him in anything. So, but him and Hiddleston really, like, had great chemistry together. And then him and Sofia DiMartino just, like, lit up the freaking screen. Like, their chemistry for basically playing the same character in two different ways was just amazing and believable and you wanted to root for both of them even though they're both shitty people and you know yes this was a lot of talking and a lot of you know just sitting back and watching it and there's not a lot of action sequences and there's not a lot of the normal marvel stuff and Mm -hmm. i still loved this so much so i feel like they tried something new again with one of these tv shows and i think it really paid off and this is much deserved to Hiddleston. I mean, he's played this character so well. He deserved this. I'm so excited to know there's more coming. And I really hope we also see him in other things still because I'm sure that we'll get more Lokis with the multiverse. Right. And we and we get some encouragement in the post credit sequence at the end of episode six. All it is, it says Loki will be back for season two. So we know there's going to be a second TV show. Uh, season of TV. There's rumblings that Tom Hiddleston is going to be in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, whether or not it's this Loki or a different Loki, God only knows. But Yep, exactly. We'll find out. But again, this is just a character who's anchored the MCU. Do you think there's anything to, I again, I don't follow this particularly closely, but it seems like there's been an undercurrent where like him and Chris Hemsworth there was a little bit of tension, tension, especially early on, because Loki was just stealing the screen from him left and right, especially early on when Thor was not this funny, charismatic character that they became in Ragnarok. Like, do you think that was one of the reasons why he got killed off in Infinity War? No. Um, I actually have never heard that before, but... Um, no, I mean, I don't think Kevin Feige makes decisions based upon they're having a cat fight kind of thing. So I think you died because that's what they saw foresaw coming and you died because we knew we were going to bring you back in this whole different way. So, and I do think like 
it's not really like a unheard thing for that people to say that Loki is the best thing about those first two movies. So like, that's not an unpopular opinion, I don't think. So, um, I mean, I think Hemsworth got his due with the third one and Infinity War and all of that. So, um, I think they're pretty on level playing ground now. And I mean, you just can't hate on what he gives you every time he's on screen. It's amazing. And then for all the characters he played in this, he played himself and then he played how many versions of the variant of himself and right. played them very all very well and interesting. And I thought it was really cool. I mean, as a person who doesn't read the comics, comics, I thought it was really cool to see all the different versions of him. The alligator I thought was kind of dumb, but, you know, to each his own. Whatever. Wow. Um, Richard E. Grant was just, like, fucking amazing. And, like, the scene of him, like, making um, Asgard appear to distract the... What is the monster called? Elias. Elias. Okay, thank you. Um, to distract Elias and, you know, glorious purpose. Like, that is so corny, but he does it so well, you just don't care. And you're, like, totally, like, st- glued to the TV watching it. And it was just so fucking good. And Sofia Martino really surprised me, too. I mean, I don't know her from a whole lot, so I was impressed with her. And I would be totally fine going forward if she is a Loki in the regular timeline. Right. This... These TV shows, a thing that they have done extremely well is we get Endgame and we get Spider-Man Far From Home and it feels like the end of an era a little bit and it makes me feel, it made me feel a little nervous that, you know, we lose Robert Downey Jr., we lose Chris Evans. I'm pretty sure I made this statement on this podcast previously and you're just reverberating it. It's totally fine. Go ahead. Well, I'm going to continue to make it, which is a good point. (laughs) We lose Scarlett Johansson. And we've lost the old guard, and can the new guard come in and hook us as well as the old guard did? And that's the question, though, right? We really haven't got a lot of new yet. We got, you know, Scarlet Witch was a character we already knew. We just got more mm-hmm. backstory. We got a new version of Captain America from a character we already know. Mm-hmm. And then we got Loki, who everyone already loves. And yes, they all three of those shows gave us new characters within them. However, Shang-Chi is really the first movie we're going to get with a brand new character. And I think that movie is really going to be, can you make people care about these new people as much as they care about all of the old characters? And if you can do that, then this could go on forever. Then you have it in the bag. Right. They're for sure, there's going to be misses, right? We Like, they cannot bat, sure. they cannot bat a thousand. But we would both wager a large amount of money. That Sophia DiMartino and Florence Pugh are going to play at least somewhat significant roles in the MCU going forward. And that's two for two right there. Absolutely. Clearly. And really, three for three, right? Because episode six, Jonathan Majors comes in as... Coming in hot! As he who remains the Conqueror, a.k.a. we know he will be King the Conqueror in the next Ant-Man movie. And... It was it was amazing for me, right? Because I'm I'm watching this episode, and I'm like, this cannot be the big bad for the next fa- next phase. Why? And the, and I'll tell you just because I was like, he is just so like weird and goofy or whatever. But then as I'm thinking about it, as I'm watching the episode, this is actually the perfect bad guy. Because again, who we saw in episode six of this TV show is not going to be the big bad guy. Of phase four and phase five. No, this was a version of him. Right. It's a version of him. And again, 
if we're going to uh, buy comics canon, we might see many versions of this character. Oh, I think a lot. In the MCU, you could, so you can take your big bad and you can present him in many different ways. Mm-hmm. And so he's not going to be this kind of weird, eccentric, like, oh, I know everything, just whatever kind of guy. We're going to see serious King the Conqueror. Yeah. You know, come in to take names, kick ass, and, and rule the multiverse. Right. Uh, and that just, again, to actually, this breaks the cycle, right? Yes. This that is, you were so worried about. Yes. I was so worried about this, and, and I was like, oh, we're going to get to the end of episode six, and it's going to be a different variant of Loki. Right. Or it's going to be Le- Ravona Renslayer. And, no. and be contained, again, within this show, just like the first two. Were. And again, but it's sneaky, right? It's It really is ingenious. It still is kind of self-contained, because this isn't going to be the Kang that's going to yeah. be an MCU. Yep. But it still is Kang. Right. Even though they never say that word. It's genius. Yes, it, it was, is. And again, so, in the fir- and it's the first five minutes, too, right? It's not in the post credit scene. It's nope. not, we don't get... A parting shot of him in the distance mm-hmm. at the end of the show. In the first five minutes, boom. Jonathan Majors, he is the actor that will be in the MCU. He is in this show, and we get our first glimpse in a TV show. Which, again, is another thing that, I mean, again, I think you and I would agree, right? Ranking the three TV shows, Loki, number one, by a mile. Yeah, for sure. Number two, WandaVision. Yep. Number three, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, and I think that's why you hire someone like Jonathan Majors, right? You throw him the huge bag because you're like, hey, this is our plan. Are you good with this? To play like all these different versions. You need a, an actor that can actually do that and do that well. That's hard to do. To know that this is, you're playing Kang, but you're going to play all these different versions of him and we need that to be believable and you need to be ready to go for like the next decade, basically. <laughs> like yep. we're gonna pay you a shit ton of money to do so, right. but are you cool with that? So, and I mean, to get a big name like that, that's that's pretty big for Marvel. Even though I mean, they pretty much can get probably who they want anymore with mm-hmm. the amount of money they can spend. But I think that's an awesome, awesome casting. They do a hell of a job with casting, and amazes me every time. And I cannot wait to see what else they do with him. He is the perfect big bad for the next round of this. And to open the multiverse can just bring in so many different things and bring back so many different things. I'm just so excited. And I, my biggest worry was just not being excited about it anymore, right? I was always excited yeah. to go to MCU movies because you want to know what happens and you want to know that it all intertwines together. Well, what am I going to be excited about now? We don't have a big bad. These are all new characters. Do I really give a shit? Mm-hmm. Okay, now I give a shit because even though I, Shang-Chi might be its own like origin story kind of thing, I guarantee you somehow it ties in. If not during the movie, then definitely in the stinger. We're going right. to see it tie in somehow. And definitely I want to see that opening night and be there to see that. So, yeah, it's just kind of like they kicked it off all over again. And, I mean, it's just never been done before. This is ridiculously amazing. And it's exciting. I can't wait to see what they come up with. I co-sign all of that. Um, And, again, it really makes it now. So, you have to kind of... You can't just shrug off the TV shows anymore, right? Because, like... No, this made it. This specific scene. This specific episode. mm -hmm made it so these are just as important for you to watch now maybe you don't watch it all and you can say to your like mcu friend at work 
hey, do I need to watch this one? Yeah, you should watch Loki. Do I need to watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or can I just tell you that he becomes the, or do you need to, yeah, he just becomes Captain America? Probably not. I could probably mm-hmm. just tell you that and, like, fill you in with a few um, lines of dialogue for you. But, I mean, yeah, I think you need to watch this and see what's coming. And that makes me even more excited because why would you have a season two if season two isn't going to be just as impactful as season one? So I hope going forward, but whenever we get this again, which might not be until the next phase or the very end of phase four, whenever that comes, I really hope that it's just as important and done just as well. I agree with that. To me, this this season of TV really was the start of phase four. So... You get Endgame, you get Spider-Man Far From Home, which is really just kind of an epilogue. It's, you know, we have grief from what happened in Endgame with Tony Stark dying. Um, you know, this is the, to me, this is, it's the Harry Potter, everybody's grown up, the kids go back on the train, they go to school. And that's the same thing right for uh, WandaVision, which is grieving the events of Endgame. Uh, Captain uh, or Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is just explaining what happened at the end of Endgame with Sam actually becoming Captain America. Mm-hmm. And really, even Black Widow. I know Black Widow is technically the start of Phase 4. Mm-hmm. But again, it's kind of, you know, our swan song to, to Natasha. Besides the stinger, nothing, a whole lot really happens that's going to affect the future, we think, so far. Yeah, I mean, I think of. if you were to ask Kevin Feige, he would say the TV shows are the start of Phase 4. Technically, because you do get new characters that are going to be coming back in the future. But, yeah, I see what you mean. Like, this is where this changes it. This alters all of the MCU going forward. And this is the thing that matters. Right. So, there's a reason that Loki was the last TV show. There's a reason that it had to come out before we got other things. And I think, like I had said on previous podcasts, I think we got to the point where they were like, okay, this we have to get things out. This has to come out. Yep. There ended up not really being a reason to make Black Widow come out before Loki was over, which I think is kind of weird, in yep. my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why you just didn't wait a week. It literally was one week later, yes. and you could have done that. But whatever. I guess you are bumping up against Jungle Cruise, which comes out at the end of the month. So I don't know whatever Disney has in their brains with that. But, I mean, I, it definitely is the most important and the most the best portrayed show. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's easy to look at it as a start of phase four and it definitely has the most impact so right we've closed the book on Thanos now for sure and now we have opened the Kang library yeah who knows what we're gonna get going forward yeah and I I love it in the sense that I kind of like that I haven't read the comics because I really get to go in and just take it for what it is and I'm not the comic book person don't hate me on you comic book readers I understand if that's your thing good for you but I'm not the person who goes in and it's like, oh, that's not comic book accurate, and now I don't like this. I just like what you give me, and as long as you give it to me in a pretty little package and it's done well, I'm good with whatever the fuck it is. Like, you know what I mean? Yep, and I'm actually going to agree with you, like, because it's comics, right? So, if it's if it's literature, if it's Lord of the Rings, if it's Dune... Like, you have one version of that story. Right. And if you butcher it, then I you're dead to me, and I don't ever want to see it. You gotta it. wait ten years before you can make it again. <laughs> I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to watch it again. But the whole point of comics is we retcon, is we have, yep. we recycle, we, we change mm-hmm. things. You know, there's, there's not just the one timeline from, you know, the 50s and 60s to now that you can't mess with. 
Things get messed with all the time. Yep. So just take the best stories. Mm -hmm. If you have to tweak them a little bit, if you have to combine things, uh, change them slightly. Again, uh, Jonathan Majors' uh, Kang Mm -hmm. is called He Who Remains. Which is a different character in the comics. a different character in the comics. Who cares? Yeah, but if you're not a comic book reader, A, you have no idea about that. Mm -hmm. And B, it doesn't really matter. Like, who cares? Like, I don't really know what the point of, like... Um, combining them are, or why you had to do, or why they, like, didn't use the word Kang. I don't really know why that is, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't think that really matters going forward, and I think, you know, even from the second you look at him, we knew that he was cast as Kang, so seeing him, you automatically know who that character is. I don't need you to tell me that's Kang. I saw, I knew that from the moment I saw him on screen, so. Right. Other highlights from this show that you want to call out? I actually like lament this quite a bit that was the episode where uh, episode three yes where they're, they're just trapped of on the planet training off. again this is where they build chemistry right it's just a walking talk all they're doing is just kind of back and forth with the wit the show just built every episode was good for me if i had to call out one i would say you know episode five the penultimate episode is the episode where they blow the budget usually um they're trapped in the void you get classic loki uh, who again was amazing, especially at the end with the illusion that he made. You know, boastful lot. Loki was probably my favorite. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> of course, surprisingly, you, <laughs> you would like boastful Loki, of course. So usually, it's you have a great penultimate episode, and then the season finale. It's, it's usually fine, wah, wah. right? Like yeah, you, you resolve things. I mean, I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier season finale was pretty terrible. Yes, right, because again, so. the first two. Seasons of TV have basically been, you know, oh, we have this cliffhanger and then it resolves and it's, but it was a big letdown was it was just the obvious thing, right? Yeah. This time we're all waiting for it just to be the somewhat obvious thing and it wasn't the obvious thing. Right. But again, this episode is basically just Jonathan Majors sitting at a desk and Loki and Sylvie sitting across from him for 75% of the episode. Oh, yeah. Talking. And, and you're totally engrossed. Was. And that, like, is a testament to how good his acting is. I mean, he's sitting there, you know, giving you the monologue of, like, this is what it means to right. be, have different multiverses, and this is what it goes, this is what happens to the timeline, and they actually show you the timeline, and they show it, like, go in different directions and everything, and, like, that could be boring and dull and dumb, and you could be sitting there watching it, like, oh my god, is anything going to actually happen in this episode? But you're not. Like, I at least I wasn't. I was totally hooked, mm-hmm. totally engrossed, and I just wanted him to keep talking and explain it to him. And then watching him in, like, the background of, like, when Sylvie and Loki are going at it, it's just hilarious. He's, like, he basically could be, like, sitting there eating popcorn, like, yeah, right, keep yep. going. Like, this is fantastic. Uh-huh. Like, and, you know, he's just, like, I'm just at the point where you can just kill me. I don't care anymore. I'm over it. Like, I led you to me. Make your decision, and I'll deal with it. Kind right. of thing. And what did you think? Did you see the betrayal coming? Did you see the Sylvie gonna betray Loki to, you know, be able to kill him? And I was I was glad they didn't make that Loki betraying her. Because I think, why do all the work to get him right. where he is? For that to just end up again and to be typical Loki again. Like, we've seen that so much with the regular timeline Loki. And with this Loki, I was really impressed that they didn't go there and they do it through Sylvie. So, that was really smart. And I like that. And I didn't necessarily see that coming, but I wasn't surprised. Yeah, I mean, I would say I pretty much saw it coming as a guy. Anytime a 
a girl comes in for the kiss in a spot where you know, she's going to do the distracting kiss and then do the thing. And in this case, push him through the portal, get rid of him so she can do what she wants. Um, the and, amount of and, sexism in that fucking statement <laughs> is ridiculous. I, it was not surprising. It's a common trope. They did it. Um, and I think it makes sense, right? This whole season is about how Loki has grown mm-hmm. from somebody who's awful and who stabs people in the back. He sees his life flash, what his sacred timeline life is flash mm-hmm. before him. Realizes it all comes to a pretty dark end. Yeah. And he grows beyond that. But that's not her, as they say in the show, that's not her life. Right. You know, it it matches her character. Yeah. Absolutely. To, to stab him in the back. Definitely. Uh, so I think it was, it did not surprise me. It was the correct call, in my opinion. But I do, this does bring me to a question I want to ask you. And if I'm going to, if I want to be the rules lawyer and nitpick about this show. We're getting to a point where we're in the multiverse and time travel and you're just going to have to let things go. No, the time travel thing again, the brilliance of the show is that time travel, which is a science fan, uh, science fiction fantasy trope that I hate. I know. Because it's nonsensical. I'm fine with it. This is fine. Endgame was fine. This has been fine. Cool. So far, so good. But I do think if I can try and separate myself from how much I love Loki, I do think that they threw in the towel a little bit on how, again, this is Battle of New York Loki. And just because you sat in a room and, and watched your mom die, and then your dad die, and then Ragnarok happened, and then Thanos choke you out and you and break your neck and you die, like this is Loki from a lot of years ago who just got done invading New York. Doesn't hasn't really had what we saw in Thor Ragnarok. Hasn't really had what happened in Infinity War actually happen to him. I think they let this show was basically main timeline Loki when it, he wasn't supposed to be main timeline Loki. Took a long time for you to get there. I'm glad we finally got there. <laughs> but I mean a lot of people have said that and I just don't I just don't agree with that. Like if someone's gonna sit me down in front of a screen and show me all the worst decisions I've made in my life and then I just like kept making bad decisions and then I just die, like that's gonna have a fucking impact on me. That's gonna make me wanna probably not do those things and maybe think about my decisions in the future and maybe not do that and become a better person hopefully so like I just think that that's real like yeah is it a little bit fast-tracked maybe but I don't think that's unbelievable at all Hmm. I think it's pretty quick to fundamentally change the nature of a god some of us can change easier than others (laughs) wow shots fired (laughs) but again I'm just if this is a if I have to pick a nit and I don't have to pick in it. I just I love this show. Yeah, so do you think season two is him trying to find his way back to the regular timeline? Since it seems like at the end she sent him back to a completely different timeline? Yes, while also having to avoid whatever this universe's king, king is, is. Because we see the I statue think, of him. Right, I think that's going to be it for everything. You know, mm-hmm. whatever timeline you're in, the big bad is Kang. You have to avoid Kang and all the things that come along with it. Mm-hmm. And all the new things that are in your timeline. Like, I don't know necessarily going forward that, like, the Spider-Man movie we see is going to be in the same timeline as the Doctor Strange movie we see. It could be in totally different timelines mm-hmm. now. True. Because 
I wouldn't be surprised if Spider-Man is, you know, creeping its way over to the Sony-verse a little bit, kind of play around in there until we really get him in more MCU things, because going forward, what's he going to be in? We don't have an Avengers movie on the slate coming up, and we don't have another Spider-Man movie on the slate coming up. So I could definitely see where that becomes more of a, oh, I'm going to play around over here and go hang out with Venom kind of thing, which is another movie we're getting later this year. Um, and kind of see where that goes. So I'm really, really interested. And I do think it could get to a point where it's kind of hard to like know where everybody is and what's going uh -huh. on. But I think if you watch it and watch it multiple times, like most MCU people, then you just, you know, you try to follow along what you can. I think that's very interesting. I think that in, for the most part, they will not, we will not just be randomly dropping in the universe, different universes. For movies. However, the one exception I will say to that is your Spider-Man point, which I think is very insightful, is you could have Spider-Man take a timeout, right, of mm -hmm. this main timeline. Right. And at the end of the Spider-Man movie, he goes into some alternate universe, and then he's in movies with Venom yeah. and Carnage and the Sinister Six and all that. Because if you're Sony, why wouldn't you do that? Well, if, if Marvel's like, hey, we're not going to use Spider-Man for two to three years. Sony's like, okay, bro, thanks. We're going to go use Tom well, Holland. Let's, let's be honest. Like, Sony's got to drop that bag, right? Like, Kevin oh, Feige. Absolutely. Kevin Feige's like, you know, yeah, I can, I can take a you couple years off. You can do your thing, off. but we get a cut. Right. Like, they're still exactly. going to get a cut. They own Spider-Man. Or they don't own Spider-Man, but they own all the things that come with Spider-Man. So they're right. not going to get the cut for the movie because he's technically not theirs. Tony gets a cut right. for their movies. But they're going to cut, get a cut in all the toys, all that kind yeah. of shit that mm -hmm. comes along with it. So why wouldn't that? That's going to make them more movie for a character that was just going to sit on the shelf. Yeah, I would so. be totally fine if they... I would too. I think that's a good especially, idea. Especially, right? Like we say, okay, Tom Holland, mm -hmm. you're going off to play with the Sony-verse and yeah. all the bad guys. Mm-hmm. But we'll, maybe we'll uh, slot in a Miles Morales. Right. That would be sweet. We're well overdue for that, right? We've literally had three versions of Spider-Man, none of which that are Miles Morales. It's like, isn't it time? One person at this table likes Into the Spider-Verse, which is a Miles Morales. I like movie. that movie. I just don't think and it's one like person amazing. Be, one like person you had do. to be dragged along to watch it after many months. So. Wow. Rude. Into the Spider-Verse, the best Spider-Man movie. Boom, I said it. False. Spider-Man 2. Okay. So, let's... You and I, obviously, love this show. I'm going to read you your top ten list as we established in, I believe, the last episode you and I did together. Okay. No, that's not true, oh, So, right? that seems like forever ago. Uh, whatever episode you and I ranked our 23 Marvel movies, mm -hmm. we now have 24 Marvel movies and three TV shows. Yeah, we'll see you again to rank again after Phase 4 is done. <laughs> so... I'm going to read you your top 10, and you're okay. going to let me know if you want to make any changes to it, primarily by adding something into your One top 10. One of these 10. four things? Okay. Yes. Okay, so your top 10, starting from 10 to 1. Actually, I'm going to start from at 1, and you stop me. Okay. If, there's, if you want to add or change something. Okay? Okay. <laughs> All right, your number 1, Infinity War. Number 2, Ragnarok. Number 3, Black Panther. Number four, Endgame. Number five, Civil War. Number six, Iron Man. She's making a face. <laughs> I think, like, between six and seven is kind of where I would put Loki. 
Okay, so you want to keep Iron Man at six and move Loki to number seven? Yeah, I think I have to keep Iron Man for the nostalgia of it, and it was the beginning of everything, and I love Downey, so, like, I gotta keep him there, but I do think that Loki trumps Captain America for me. Okay, so six Iron Man, seven Loki, eight Winter Soldier, nine Guardians, ten Spider-Man Homecoming, and you bump the first Avengers movie out of your top ten. That's, I think that's great. Right. I think that's right for me. Just a, real quick in general, Black Widow. Black Widow would probably roughly. be like 15-ish. Okay, that's fair. Probably. Um, yeah. And then the other two, I mean, Falcon and the Winter Soldier for me is probably towards the bottom and then um wandavision is probably like around the 20 range i would say okay so like it's towards the bottom too but it's above a few of the terrible okay uh i'm going to go through my top 10 you want me to read them oh you you have it okay yeah sure do the same thing for me okay so you had one ragnarok two infinity war three endgame four black panther Five Guardians. Okay, stop. You're jumping Doctor Strange. So wow. I, no, 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 no. Wait, let me. I'm gonna make a change. Okay, so I look, I was looking at this list for the last couple of days. Okay. And again, my list is my list, and it's subject to change on any given day. Your list is a hot list. I'm dropping Guardians down. Okay. So also oh, before Guardians. So. It will it's be the top. It will be the top four that you said. Okay. And then Loki at five. I'm gonna edit out that side just so you know. Man, this is tough. Doctor yeah. Strange at five. Wow, you're just like bumping Guardians completely, or Loki what? Loki at six. Civil War seven. Guardians eight. Wow! I if I was them, I would take offense to that. That's what happened in like the last few months that you just like were like Guardians. You fucking suck. You're going down four spots. I'm still mad at Chris Pratt that he fucked up. The, <laughs> he fucked the, up the, the plot for Thanos in, in Infinity War. <laughs> I'm still mad at him. It's probably just because I haven't seen Guardians in, in a in a hot second, and I'm sure if I would be subject to some recency bias, but. It, it's faded a little bit for me, uh, so I'm dropping it down quite a ways, wow. and that's probably wrong. So you're dropping it to, like, where I have Guardians? It's okay. You can just say I was right again. <laughs> now I, I Hashtag insta- winning. I instantly regret that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm, again, it's high for me. I would say Loki's in the sixth range for me. Yeah, and, I mean, I think it kind of has to be because it's going to be so impactful, right? Like, so important, so impactful, like... It's really the first time we get him on a solo project, so... And yeah, we can't have Ragnarok as one and two in our list. And again, Loki's such a big component of that. Right, I mean, he's a big part of that, so... So yeah, again, if you had any doubt about how much we love this show, Loki is high. Yeah. High up. Um, I would say, uh, just to close the loop on this, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, very close to the bottom for me. Uh, Black Widow, probably in the, like... 12 to 15 range, somewhere in there. Yep. Uh, which is also, I would have WandaVision higher than you. I would think in that in that mid-teens kind of range as well for me. Yeah, um, I'd really have to look at the list. I don't really yeah. know specifically. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Again, subject to change. I'm very excited for Shang-Chi. I am 
more curious about the Eternals. Uh, I think that there's certainly a possibility that it could be great, but I'm a little bit more cautiously optimistic for that, whereas Shang-Chi, I'm just like, let's go. Yeah, this I think a there's a that... reason that the trailer we got for Eternals was very minor, mm-hmm. and like, there's a reason they're not showing us a whole lot, and there's a reason that there's a big name director attached to that movie, because I feel like it's pretty important. Yeah. So, um, I'm really excited for that movie. Yeah, we. it's just, this is, again, I think the Eternals is basically the analog to the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. taking a super niche comic book thing. And again, they made the Guardians be amazing. Right, and they only have a movie left. So this is kind of like the new version of that, maybe? Like, without all the goofiness, I would assume. Yeah. So, this was an amazing week from a entertainment perspective. Black Widow plus Loki finishing. The MCU's back. Uh, the MCU is a dominant force in our lives that we're going to thoroughly enjoy. Um, and I'm just looking forward to more movies. Let's go. Okay. That's going to bring us, April, to our list of the week. It's the list of the week. We are going to do a gimmick that you have protested already. I don't know how I got dragged into this. We're going back. We're not doing a list. We're bringing back the draft. I really need to know. Let's do a Twitter poll. What is better, drafting or just ranking? We're going to have to do a Facebook poll because we have like 10 people that follow us on Twitter. So You really uh, need like a social media person. No, I'm not available. <laughs> um, maybe we'll do a Facebook poll. But again, the draft. No. It's more competitive. No. And again, we're dealing with a very small list. So let's introduce it. Uh, our list of the week is going to be our top five new MCU characters. So again, we have three TV shows and Black Widow. We've seen some new characters. Uh, if the character in its current version has appeared in a movie or a TV show, uh, they can't be drafted. So, you know, again, you have a couple. You have the FBI agent from Ant-Man. You have... What's her face from uh, Natalie Portman's sidekick in the Thor movies? Darcy, like those kind yeah, of people. You, those people, again, we've seen them before. They are not eligible to be to be drafted in this. Has to be a brand new character. The one exception to this rule is Monica Rambeau, since she was a kid in Captain Marvel. She's now, you know, it's a new actress, new superhero, and and now she's you know gained superpowers, so she is more or less a new character. Uh, she is eligible to be drafted. So, again, and this is your own personal list, you know. It is not, because if it was my personal list, I could give you the people I wanted. And if we draft it, I can only give you the people that are available. Excuse me. So, this is your own personal criteria. So, again, this is just your favorite, the ones that you like best. This does not have to be, you know, who is going to have the most impact in the MCU going forward. It's just who we like. It's just who we like. So, since I have put this burden on you to draft, I will give you the choice. Would you like to pick first? So do I pick first, then you get to pick twice? That is how a snake draft works. So That's terrible. First, second, and third. I hate this already. I'm just protesting right now that I hate this already. So what you're saying is you would never want to be a general man. No, I don't like this. I want this person. I will give you whatever amount of money you want. That is the end of the story. There's, I don't want to do it so like So you're going to be the person who gets four first-round draft picks for RG3. Yes, that's fine. Yeah, that's just that's fine. Want. Just because I want to. 
Okay. Okay, well, you go first because I want two picks. Oh man! Again, I'm gonna. This is the. This is your stupid idea. Second draft that I'm gonna have to pick first, and again, I I would much rather be picking two and three. So, but I'm curious because I think you and I have different pools of people that we value. Oh, you mean like you're a male chauvinistic people and I'm a female? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Let's see who's on this list. Come on. Okay. I have the first pick. Okay. With the first pick in the 2021 draft that no one wants to take part in, you select. The first pick of the Marvel new character draft. I'm taking Sophia DiMartino as Sylvie. Okay. Uh, again, for all the reasons we already described, she had electric chemistry with Tom Hiddleston. Uh, she's very mischievous. She's that. She's another facet of one of the most interesting characters in the MCU. Uh, certainly easy on the eyes and certainly could be a character that we see take a prominent role in the MCU. Tom Hiddleston has said he will play Loki forever. And, he, and again, that does kind of throw into. I mean, Jeopardy. he'd be on my list if he could, but. Right. I mean, he would be not like. Let's yeah. be honest. Number one, I think. Yeah. Um, on our list, if we could take any character from these four properties, uh, so it does actually make me question a little bit how prominent a role she's going to play, particularly in the MCU, the movie version. Yeah, we just don't know yet. Um, but just loved everything about her character. She's my number one pick. All right. All right. I'm going to keep track. So we can also throw this in the Twitter poll. Whose list is better? No. For your 10 Twitter followers. (laughs) Uh, April, you are on the clock with picks two and picks three. Okay. With my first pick, I select Florence Pugh. Okay. This is the obvious. That was obvious. Because, I mean, why not? Duh. And then with my second pick. Oh, hold on. I'm going to cut you off. Don't be slow. I... When I when I did my list, my draft board as it were, okay, I I tiered, I I made different tiers of characters. Of course, did no one thought about it. In that the much. first tier, I had three characters, and two of them have been drafted. Okay, so I'm curious to see if you. Take I, the three. next person's not going to be in your top three. So okay, excellent. With the third pick in the MC draft, you are taking Countessa. Of course. Because I fucking love Julia Louis Dreyfus, and I want her to be in all of the things. Of course you do. <laughs> Tell the people how excited you were again. When oh she, my god! When she showed up, I don't up think and... people understand. Like I have literally watched everything this woman has been in. I forced myself to watch Seinfeld, and I don't even like Seinfeld just because she's in it. Okay, and she's fucking hilarious in it. I will give her that, but I don't really like that show. Um, but I have seen every episode. <laughs> <laughs> so I have wow. watched it. Um, New Adventures of Old Christine, like it, which is like one of her first TV shows she was ever in, is hilarious. It's amazing. I mean, Veep, hands down, amazing. She's just, ugh, she's everything, and I love her. And I can't wait to see what they do with her character. And I just hope she has a bigger role going forward. Okay, that's fair. Uh, she was not on my on I, my top. I figured. Here. Would you like to wager a guess as to who my next pick will be? I have picks four and picks five. Owen Wilson? Surprisingly, no. Okay. With my next pick, I'm going to draft... Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn. I knew it was one of those, As two. Agatha all along. 
Uh, again. It's not her name. <laughs> <laughs> Agatha Harkness. This is Agatha all along. Oh my gosh. You just like the song. Let's just be honest. Again. I, I'm not going to just, you know, pick recency bias. I'm going to remember the things that we saw first. And Catherine Hahn was just so charismatic. Was just so, every scene she was in, she was just jumping off the screen at you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and again... She's uh, locked away. She's imprisoned. I feel like we could definitely see her in a future Doctor Strange movie. In a very possible in any kind of movie that Scarlet Witch ends up being in, I think uh, Agatha Harkness could come back in for sure. Uh, loved her character, and uh, she is pick number four for me. All right, now this is decision time. All of my top tier characters are gone. Uh, I am going to take the character that you named next. I figured. Owen Wilson, Mobius M. Mobius, welcome to the winning team. The winning team? There's no winning team here. Of course there is. There's no way to win. Um, again, Owen Wilson, Tom Hiddleston, all they can do is just sit at a table and talk, and it is the, the best thing on TV. Uh, we've already talked quite a bit about him. Again, uh, particularly, again, a, a scene that we didn't mention where they're sitting at the table and Owen Wilson's eating a salad and Loki takes it and he's demonstrating how variants can hide in different in different apocalypses mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Just, just amazing television. <laughs> Loved it. Uh, so, okay. I've picked twice now and we're back to you. Two picks. All These right. These are your last two picks. I only get four. Oh no, I'm sorry. Can you count? I can't count apparently. Okay. Two more picks. Um, so I'm gonna take David Harbour as oh. Red Guardian. Wow, I left him off. I almost I was going to draft him, but I was like, no, April didn't like him enough to <laughs> take him. Well, you took um Owen Wilson was would have been my next pick, but you took him. So okay. um and then I'm gonna have to go with Rachel Weiss. Okay. So you were all in on Black Widow then? Yeah, I mean, most of the new characters, some of the new characters we got, I don't really like. So. Wow, okay. Alright. I am up then for my two picks, and this will be my last two picks. Yeah, I have a feeling I know where this is going. I have one character left in my second tier. Okay. And again, this might surprise you a little bit, because... I would say this character was not universally beloved, but I do think he's pretty complicated, and I do think there's potential going forward. Are you going with Wyatt Russell? I'm going to take Wyatt Russell. Gross. As my next pick. Again, maybe one of the Just best. so you know, that would have been like my number 12 on this list. That's, 12. that's fine. If you want to have a bad draft board, uh, I Wow. I I'm not saying he wasn't good in it. He was very good in it, but the character in that show for him was just... If Not you have, if if you're gonna remember one scene from Falcon and the Winter Soldier, one one just five second clip. Well, yeah, we don't get to it, see superheroes murder people. What is it gonna be? It's gonna Obviously. be Wyatt Russell holding the Captain America shield with blood dripping from. Yeah, the Yeah, but now of he's it. supposed to be like a good guy, and I don't believe that for a second. He's so like, hard he's pass. He's like anti-hero. He's kind of great. Okay. He's definitely. You're gray. allowed to like who you like. Okay. You know when it's wrong. Okay. The pressure's on now. Uh, Don't fuck it up. One last pick. It's down to two people. Okay. 
I mean, it's low-hanging fruit, and I gotta take him. Jonathan Majors. Obviously. As he who remains, King Conquer. And really, like, looking at my, my lineup, it's just, it's unbelievable. I mean, the only person I want to take on this list, then, is Richard E. Grant. But I don't even think we're going to see him again, so... Does that really count as a person? Yeah, why not? That's who my next... That was... Those were the last two characters I was deciding between. I mean, that's who I'll take, but I honestly don't think we see him in anything else. That's fine. We don't need to see him again in anything else. Um, I think he just he stole the show a little bit. In no, absolutely. Five. And in the classic Loki getup, like, just completely right. ridiculous. And he, I saw the, like, picture of himself he posted on Twitter of him mm-hmm. in it. Like, making fun of um, his dad, making fun of him for wearing tights. And he was like, I hope you could see me now. (laughs) And it's just like, it's just great. And he just played the part so well. Um, I would love to see him again if he comes back as, like, one of the variants. That'd be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. um, I don't think that we're going to, so. Yes. But, again, this was a stupid idea. If you're ever just walking around the house and you hear somebody yell, glorious purpose. (laughs) Know that it is me doing my best Richard Grant impression, and I have no shame whatsoever. Oh my gosh, okay. All right, so to recap, your list is... It's not a list. Florence Pugh as Elena Belova, Julie Louis-Dreyfus as the Countess, David Harbour as the Red Guardian, Rachel Weiss as, you know, mom, scientist. Melina. Melina. Uh, and Richard E. Grant's classic Loki. Okay. Pretty good list. Thanks, I know. Not as good as my list, mm. which is Sylvie, Agatha Harkness, Mobius, Wyatt Russell, uh, and as U.S. agent, and Jonathan Majors as he who remains King of Conqueror. There's not a whole lot left on the list, really, I feel like, of people that no. I'm super compelled by. Um, I... Yeah, so the other people we had on our list that were possible options were Monica Rambeau and Isaiah Bradley, um, to name a couple. I think those were the only other two, right? Yep, that yes, we didn't... Those that were the only other... Those are the only two mm-hmm. that we didn't use. Um, I don't really think that either one of those people are going to come back in a big way, possibly. Mm-hmm. Maybe I do think Monica Rambeau is going to be in the next Captain Marvel movie, um, but I just think she still is, like, going to be the sidekick or whatever. And then we don't even know if we'll see Isaiah Bradley ever again, so. I hope we do. I hope we do, too. I don't know in what we would see him. Maybe the next Captain America movie. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. I'm not sure. Um, I think that my list would have been vastly different if I got to just make a list. But that's okay. Well, yeah. But, I mean, come on. That would be, our list would be the same, right? We would have. No. Sylvie, Yelena Belova. Mobius. No. See, I don't have Mobius. Wow. Okay. Give us your list. Sylvie, Elena, Agatha, JLD, and Jonathan Majors. Okay. They would have been pretty close, I think. And I'm surprised that you took David Harper that early. I wanted him on my team, for sure. Well, you took all the other guys. So, closing thoughts as we... Close phase three, start phase four. MCU movies in general. Just really happy movies are back. I have loved my time going back to the theater. As I said, I went and saw Black Widow again, all by myself in the dark of night, um, in that big XD theater that we have in town here, and it was 
fucking fantastic. The sound is just so much better. And I just can't wait for these Marvel movies. They're just so good. And I think I'm going to have to treat myself a little bit more often to going to the movie theater after my kiddos go to bed because it just is something that makes me happy and I enjoy doing, whether it's by myself or with my husband or with a friend. So I have to make time for us moms out there that don't get a lot of time to ourselves nowadays. So I do love that it's back and... I would love to support the movies as much as I can because I don't want it to go away. Um, I do enjoy being able to watch a few things from home. Like this weekend, the new Space Jam movie came out. I would never pay money to go see that, but I will watch it because we have HBO Max. So, you know, there are circumstances in which I think that's a really good thing that a lot more movies can get made because there's more ways to show them to people. So that can only be a good thing, but I don't want to lose... The theater because the theater is really important to me and I want to keep going forever and I think I've already kind of passed that along to our oldest so I hope that he can go forever and enjoy it as much as I do. It's the perfect way to end. I co-sign all of it. Uh, I love the movies. Um, I really, I, I don't know what this says about me but I'm not you know embellishing at all to say that I think when I look back on my life you know there will be you know, many thoughts about my family and my wife and my children and hopefully some grandchildren and my career. But one of those things that might actually still stick out at me at the very end is sitting in a packed theater for Endgame and just never experiencing anything like a crowd being so into something, mm-hmm. that communal experience. You know, it's really like on a level of whatever the best, you know, it's on the level of Ohio State one versus Michigan yeah. two, mm-hmm. it's like you're sitting in this, you know, in a football game in a basketball game. It's this yeah. communal experience, uh, you know, this culmination of twenty three movies, uh, and it was just really special. It's really something that I enjoy. I'm uh, about two hundred pages in to seven hundred pages of Dune. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, at the end of the year, you put your head down, but you, when you love it. When you think, wow, like maybe I don't love it, but I really appreciate it. That was a really good movie. Just wow, remember, sand monsters. That, that, it's not just about sand monsters. <laughs> it's basically like I'm just like, are we to the point where like I gotta learn about this whole new world again? It's, it's like, rules and what happens, it's like and like Game I'm of, done. I got I got Game of Thrones. I got Harry Potter. I got the MCU. Like I don't need any more worlds. I'm good. Dune is better than several of those things that you just... I had to do Hunger Games and fucking Twilight. And, like, I'm just... I don't need any more. Okay. Take the the mind space that you have about Twilight and Hunger Games. I don't ever think about those things ever again. And just hit delete and just get rid of it because you need to make some room for Dune. Dune is Game of Thrones in space, and it's amazing. Ew. So there's, like, siblings fucking each other? No, there's no... No. I haven't got... I'll... To be honest, I haven't really gotten to the, the part where he goes into the desert and, and all that. So, can't wait. Spoiler alert: Read Dune, nineteen sixty-five, Frank Herbert's amazing science fiction work. Okay, well, when Suicide Squad is better than Dune, you owe me something. Uh, I won't owe you anything because that's not going to happen. Wow. When Dune surprises you on how good it is, you will owe me. Something. I'll be like, this was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap up this podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed this. Again. Go uh, vote that lists are better than drafting. (laughs) uh, We hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, 
This has been another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss, and we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Buckeye Dads Discuss is a podcast hosted by Andy and Josh. It's edited by April. You can find us on social media at Buckeye Dads on Twitter, and you can email the show at Buckeye Dads Discuss at gmail.com.